Welcome to Radio KAL, the Superman podcast brought to you by supermanhomepage.com. This is show number 88, released on April 25th, 2012. My name is Steve Eunice, and I'm joined by my good friend Scotty V, who hates people who hate things, who, who love to hate just because they love to hate. <laughs> yeah, that describes me in a, in a nice little sentence there. Um, I, uh, <laughs> if you don't watch Great Scott, my uh, latest uh, Great Scott at the end of the Speeding Bulletin uh, this week was just talking about the idea that, uh, hey, I know it's 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 perfectly fine for you not to like the reboot or to think it's silly. Um, why why they had to remove the briefs or why they had to you know start them over from the beginning and kind of disavow all the stories that have come before. I was annoyed by that myself. Um, what I'm what I'm speaking of, I think, is just the idea that anything that comes out from this point forward, if it happens to be going on in the new Fifty Two. Just hating it across the board before you even look at it. Um, it's all crap, and, uh, you know. And I keep hearing, you know, I keep hearing things, things like he's so violent and he's so, uh, you know, horrible, and it's not my Superman, and he doesn't do those kinds of things. And yet, if you look back over the years, you know, in the very beginning, he was a, a crusader for social injustices, and he he uh, he would do things like intimidate mob bosses, which he did in the new Action One. He would do things like uh, you know uh, throw a guy and laugh because he fell down. And these were just human guys back then. They didn't have super villains with superpowers in the comics yeah. that early. And then even 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 in the nineties, uh, you would have you would have solicits coming out with him with his eyes glowing. Uh, saying burn as he as he burned into something or somebody and he was angry so uh the the whole idea that a a slightly um you know darker superman maybe or a a guy who's willing to get angry when he sees injustice or when he sees someone hurting somebody else is not new for superman in fact that's something that i've always appreciated when he when that does happen because he is so in control and he is so uh able to hold back and 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 he, he you know he's always out for justice uh for anyone even the villains he doesn't kill he uh you know but you know, if someone really uh, is doing really bad things and they won't stop, you know, it, it will get under even his skin. And I don't think that that's new to this new reboot. And I don't think that it's going to be new to the movie if they do something like that. Um, but people are just kind of uh, jumping to the conclusion that anything that comes out, they're just 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 because um, they want to show their disdain for the idea that the reboot happened. They want to hate everything that has anything to do with it. And and uh I just I think that that's an injustice to yourself, and uh, it also is a little unfair to what's going on. And I'm not a defender. I'm not a giant fan of Didio or DC in general for doing this, but I I take it as it comes and I I go along with it and I and I see what happens. Obviously, if you're reading for a while and it's not doing anything for you, stop reading. Um, that's all I can say about that. <laughs> Well, that was a nice introduction to the show. How you been, anyway? <laughs> well, you know, uh, yeah, I, I went off on a little bit of a diatribe there, but we'll cut it up in post, and it'll sound much, much yeah. different. It'll be me just going, you guys are all great, <laughs> and that'll be it. Uh, yeah, how are you doing? I'm, yeah. I'm fantastic. Yeah, I'm, I'm well. Uh, it's uh, It's been a bit of a quiet time for Superman fans. Uh, not a lot going on in, in around, the, around the joint, but uh, we've got a lot of topics to discuss either way, and... Uh, we always do. Yeah, we always do. We always find something to discuss. And I guess it wasn't really a quiet month. In, well, it started out with a bit of a bang. Uh, just as we went to uh, went, went online with our last podcast, uh, 
Warner Brothers released the official logo for the Man of Steel movie, and we didn't get, obviously, a chance to discuss that. What did you think of, of the logo? I love it. I think it's mm-hmm. awesome. I mean, uh, it's not it's not exactly red, but it's on a bit of a darker uh, background. I have it on my phone as my phone yeah, wallpaper. Uh, I think it's, you know, it's obviously the symbol that's on his chest. But again, we talked about this before. It's a little wider. It's a little fatter. It looks like it has a little more meat to it. And it also has a bit of texture, which is nice. Uh, and I, I, I like the way it looks. Yeah, so do I. I think it's uh, very strong and uh, you know, very bold, and it has a uh, you know that uh, neo medieval feel about Krypton that they keep saying that we're going to be seeing this new mo- new movie. So uh, uh, I like it, and uh, you know, I think uh, it uh, it bodes well for the film. I think it's very strong and striking, and uh, really still says Superman, still is recognisable as the Superman logo, and uh, gives that three D effect that uh, they seem to be wanting to go with uh, for all the movies these days. Uh, even from Superman the movie, they had that crystalline 3ds uh that was on the poster and uh and then superman returns obviously did that with uh, a similar thing with the uh the the 3ds on on the logo there and uh man of steel is continuing on with that trend well it's another thing that kind of plays into what i was saying before and i've heard people talking about that's not a superman logo that doesn't they did the same thing for superman returns and if you if you uh, go back and you know you you did a you did a uh what is it a big blue report a few weeks ago uh, about this exact thing that that the logo has been different for almost every release now a lot of people have been stuck in the in the in the Donner films because Smallville kind of went that route and and they kind of continued that and they and they tapped into that and that was still going so i think a lot of people are having trouble with the idea that we might see a different Krypton here and that it is neo-medieval and they do have these weird looking outfits that are different from what you're used to but mm. Again, I think it was announced uh, pretty early that this was going to be a departure from the the whole Donner idea of what Superman was. And that in and of itself was very different from what Superman had been previously. Mm-hmm. Um, in my memory, uh, the whole crystalline uh, Krypton with one little town where a couple of people lived and the rest of the planet seems completely devoid of life. It's frozen. It's a wasteland. It's a tundra. Uh, was nothing that I remembered Krypton ever being, no, and it, it hasn't right. been that in the comics in any incarnation that I have seen. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a highly populated, highly civilized, very technological, scientific civilization, and I just never got that from the Donner films. I kind of got a, a a very tiny society in one dome city uh, where they could show us the Phantom Zone, and that was really about it. So I'm I'm really looking forward to the possibility. I don't know how far in depth they're going to go with showing Krypton and the society, but, I mean, I'd really like to see a thriving utopia uh, on another planet and, and see some storyline going on there and, mm. and stuff with Jor-El, and we know he's cast, and, and we know that Ayelet Zero is cast as, as uh, Lara. So there, I think that there's a lot of potential, uh, maybe even in a sequel, if we get a sequel, to, to really delve into those characters more into that planet and, and his whole uh, birth world and, and see what, where everything came from and, and where they're going to go with that. Yeah, definitely. And now with the logo, I'm, I've kind of well, I've had it hinted to me that what uh, that logo is uh, is portraying is the the medallion or whatever on the front of Kal-el's uh, rocket ship that comes to Earth. So that might be what the grey background and everything that we're seeing. Behind the S, the you know the stone-like uh, material um, that it's built out of, or that it seems to be structured from, uh, could well be the uh, the front of Kal-el's rocket ship. So 
we look forward to, to you know, seeing that uh, come to fruition. That could be very, very cool if that's, uh, if that's what that is. Yeah, so, uh, and you mentioned Ayelet Zura, um, if that's how you pronounce her name, I still don't know. I've been pronouncing it three different ways. But uh, yeah. <laughs> she's uh, come out, had a number of interviews uh, recently because she's got another film uh, coming out, and they always tend to uh, mention uh, Man of Steel when they're you know promoting their other films. Obviously, they're going to get asked about that. Uh, her upcoming film is called Darling Companion, but uh, in interviews for that film, she's been asked about her role as Lara in Man of Steel, and uh, she's made a number of comments that have uh, been a bit of interest to, to fans, especially uh, when you take that in connection with the interview that... Uh, Dylan Sprabery did uh, recently also, and they keep mentioning this edgy, darker world um, that the film, you know, is going to be similar to The Dark Knight and its feel that it's, you know, reality-based, edgy, darkness, all these, you know, these words getting, these buzzwords, if you like, getting thrown around. What do you take out of those comments? Well, all I know is that uh, hearing those words dark and edgy just means I'm boycotting the film and I'm never going to see anything that has anything to do with Superman ever again because uh, dark Superman is not my Superman. Uh, But seriously, uh, as I started the show saying, I think that in my opinion, it's good to see him lose it a little bit in in a correct situation. You know, when he's fighting Doomsday and he knows the world is at stake and he knows thousands are dying and things are getting destroyed and it's a real serious situation, I think it's okay for him to completely let loose. And uh, you very rarely get to see uh, a giant beam come out of his eyes that lifts a creature into the air and throws him through a wall. And I think that to, to show that Superman can unleash that way when he's a, angry, B, desperate, and knows that there's nothing else he can do and he has to let it all out because it's live or die for everyone, not just him. Mm. Um, I don't really see a problem with seeing some emotion, seeing some anger even. And, and if, 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 if there are people out there that think Superman never gets angry, I just – I honestly don't know what Superman you're reading. Maybe – if if all you know of Superman is 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 uh, the Donner films, uh, but even in Smallville, I mean Clark was angry almost every week, um, and and people seem to be okay with that. I mean Smallville was a very dark interpretation. He was he was he was very um, negative and he was very hesitant with his powers, but he would always throw people across the room into walls. Mm. Uh, people died uh, even if he didn't do it on purpose, but he was okay with it. He just walked at, you know, they die and he just left and he went on with his life. And, and, and for me, that's not what I would consider something Superman would do. Mm. And the, uh, the argument I always get is, Hey, he's not Superman yet. So, you know, okay. So he's not Superman yet. So it's okay for him to kill a bunch of people, I, I guess. Um, and, and I enjoyed much of Smallville for some of the things, but uh, those things were the things that stood out to me. So, yeah, if the new movie comes out and he's killing people and he's blowing up people's houses because there's a bad guy nearby, then, yeah, I'm going to have a problem with that. But I can't come out and say I have a problem with it right now because I haven't seen what exactly that means. Yeah. If darkness and edgy means that he's going to be a little nastier to really bad people, I don't think I really have a problem with that. Yeah, and it doesn't necessarily mean that Superman himself is dark and edgy. It could just mean that the situation and the world and the, and the environment that he's in could be a nasty, stark and edgy situation. You know, we're talking about aliens in, coming to invade Earth. You know, we've got Zod, we've got, uh, you know, we've got Ursa, we've got 
oh, it's not Ursa, it's, uh, what's her name? Feora. Um, you know, we've got these characters coming, we've got army, we've got fighting. It's 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 going to be a pretty, you know, um, tense situation. So if that's a dark and edgy, tense situation, then I'm all for it. Uh, because Superman will be the light that, uh, you know, that saves the world, that, that uh, saves the situation. And even in Superman the movie, you know, when that's one of the most powerful sequences is when Lois died and he got that anger, that rage, and, you know, and he flew up and around and, you know, reversed time and... That was one of the, you know, the the uh, the most powerful moments of that film. Now, Steve, you're just being an apologist. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, making excuses for these people. We don't know what the movie's going to be like, and so we can't base the film and judge the film based on a few comments made by actors who have used these buzzwords that seem to be used in every film. Every movie seems to be called dark and edgy these days. It's true. I think it's part of it is because. Um, they tend to think that that's what people expect or that's what people want or that's what the young kids are going for these days that, you know, you got to have dark outfits and you got to have, you know, uh, dark hair and you got to have big bushy eyebrows and you got to be nasty. And I think that this, the idea that um, they're trying to get across is this is not uh, the big blue campy boy scout that maybe your dad liked in the seventies. Mm. Uh, and I'm not saying don't get all up in arms, everybody out there. I'm not saying that, um, those films were that exactly, or that Superman needs to be changed, or that's another argument I hear Mm. why mess with something that works. It's it's, and I've said this before, it hasn't been working. Superman hasn't been at the top of the charts, uh, in years, he really hasn't been on people's tongue. He hasn't been on people's mind, even in 2006. And and I still say that Superman Returns was was a, a success at the box office, but it did cost a little more than Batman Begins, but it made around the same amount of money. So how they exactly gauge what's a failure and what's not, but 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 clearly a whole lot of people weren't clamoring for another movie after Superman Returns. So something does need to be uh, quote unquote. Fixed. I don't think they should fix Superman, but the way the movies are made or the way the stories are told need to be changed up a little bit. And mm-hmm. if that means introducing some darkness, introducing some edge, introducing some, uh, as they always say with Nolan's movies, reality, uh, then then I'm for it, as you say. So be it. Let's do it. Let's let's change it up a little bit. And again, not that Superman needs to go around killing people or being that you know evil uh, or dark himself. Uh, but he can have some emotion. He can be a, a little, a little uh, sarcastic, even in some, you know, some points. I've I've seen him even in in the new uh, Fifty Two a couple of times. If someone's, if someone really deserves it, he'll he'll mock them. I mean, and and, I, and he's done that in years past. It's not new, um, and we don't know what he's going to do in the movie, as you exactly. said. But uh, you know, I think I think it's all good, and I've made uh, again. I've made my distaste for the Nolan films known as well. So I also have my own trepidations, but mine are based on the whole the whole idea that I didn't love those movies, not because they were dark, uh, but I mean, and they were, and in a lot of ways, they were too dark because they were. They had they had everybody in it being crooked except for Batman, and and I don't think Bale's particularly likable as Bruce Wayne. I don't think he's that great uh, a Bruce Wayne, and his Batman voice just grates on my nerves. But uh, and and the movies themselves, I don't find a lot of development there. I don't find a lot of story there. I don't find a lot of character there. I find a lot of explosions. 
racing to the scenes, jumping off of planes, falling out of buildings and impossibly landing on a car and surviving. I see all that stuff because Batman's cool and Batman can do all that. So here's another thing he can do. But I didn't see a lot of depth and that's what I hear from all the critics. They're so deep. They've revolutionized the superhero movie. You know, I've liked every Marvel film better than any of those Batman films and I'm a DC fan before I'm a Marvel fan. But I just think that that those films are so much better in so many ways. The story is better. The action is better. Everything is better. Uh, and those Batman films are just kind of, uh, I don't know. They're like a, they're, 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 they're bland to me. So yes, I have some concerns that the Nolan team could do the same kind of thing that they did for Superman. But here's the thing. If they do do that and it works, DC will be all the more happy because I'm really the only one in the world who doesn't like those Batman films. <laughs> so if if they get everybody in the world to like the Superman films the same way they like the Batman films, then that's exactly what they want to do. And I'm sorry to those of you out there who don't like it, but it's a business, and businesses are out there to make money. Mm-hmm. And the reason that they're going to change things up and try to make it darker or get Nolan involved is because they want the film to make money. And I want the film to make money because I don't want to be dead before there's another Superman film. Very good. Now, talking about edgy and dark, how about this Cavill bloke sending gifts to you know, the gym that trained him. I mean, can you believe that? And what a nasty guy to do something <laughs> like he's so dark. He's so edgy that he would do something along those lines. And I'm going to make a plea right now. I think for, you know, for what I've done uh, for great Scott, uh, I think, you know, I've talked about Cavill, you know, at least yeah. one time that I should get a coin that has a, you know, Superman symbol on it. Definitely. But, you know, I'm just sending it out there. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm not going to be I'm not going to boycott or never see anything again if I don't get it. But I, you know, I think I've made some contributions to big time, know, big time. Something. I mean, the movie will be a success or not based on your comments. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know what they're thinking, but uh, yeah. I, don't either. <laughs> I haven't gotten any gifts. But, uh, yeah, we're talking about Henry Cavill sending, uh, you know, this uh, message and a coin that he had made up of the Superman Man of Steel uh, uh, symbol. Uh, to Jim Jones, the uh, the gym where he trained for Man of Steel. It was a thank you gift, and uh, it was based on the concept of um, the military have these coins um, uh, that they uh, you know give out, and uh, Henry thought it would be um, you know tr- fitting that um, the Man of Steel uh, crew or, or cast or whatever had uh, you know similar kind of uh, tokens of the journey that they've been on, and uh, he's given one to the Jim Jones people uh, as a thank you for the time that they put into him and the effort they put into making him, um, you know, build up to the physique that he needs to be uh, this iconic character. I thought it was real cool when I first, when I first read it, I, I saw Jim Jones and I thought, I thought that was the guy's name who was his <laughs> trainer. And I'm like, wow, he really spells the name Jim oddly. And I'm like, nah, it must've been a Jim, I guess, you know, and then I read it and find out that it is. And it was a really cool plaque and a nice thank you, uh, note that he wrote, yeah. uh, that, that was engraved on the plaque. And I guess he had this coin made for yeah. them or, yeah. or, you know, it's, and that's just nice. And, uh, Again, uh, I saw some comments on our, on our on our boards at the at the homepage about what a class act he is, mm-hmm. and 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 what uh, that that that's kind the kind of thing that that a person um, uh, with the mindset of Superman would do, and yeah. and uh, that it just more and more every day you see that not only is he an actor, and obviously we know he's really just playing a role, but uh, that that uh, you know he is kind of a good uh, fit for this character, uh, at least seemingly in what we're seeing. Yeah, definitely. So, uh, you know, hats off to Henry Cavill for such a nice gesture and, uh, you know, he's winning fans more and more off the screen. 
And we just hope that he wins more and more on the screen once we see Man of Steel on the big screen. But uh, let's move away from movie news and talk about TV. Now, uh, Cartoon Network and DC Nation, we've obviously the, the main focus there for us is Young Justice. And there have been uh, four episodes that have aired uh, since our last podcast. I've seen three of them. I haven't seen the most recent one as yet because obviously they don't air here in Australia, so I have to uh, move uh, mountains to, to actually get them. But the um, mm. first one was Insecurity, where Red Arrow's return undercuts Artemis's confidence while the team's mission to track down Sportsmaster threatens to expose her darkest secrets. Yeah, I, uh, I'm, I'm really, and I've said before how much I enjoy this show. What I, what I'm liking about it now is this kind of this continuity, this continuation of this story. You know, there, there's a mole, there's this mm. group outside that, you know, that, that's maybe even more dangerous than that first group that was on the TV screens before. And somehow Lex Luthor is still involved, and there's all kinds of crazy things going on. And I like, I've never really seen. You know, even even the Batman animated series that that most people cite when they talk about um, superhero um, animation on television, they they talk about that as being really the benchmark and the staple that everybody keeps going back to. I didn't watch a lot of that, but my understanding of it was that it was single episodes kind of self-contained. And Mm. maybe 10 episodes later, you'd see a villain return, but it wouldn't really be connected to necessarily what had happened before but in this show i'm and i watch it and i'm finding myself not remembering i'm going they met this person before this happened before they did this before and you know you go back and you think about it and you go oh yeah you know because and then they're putting these little seeds in and every episode kind of has stuff that's going to happen later and i love these 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 little uh flashbacks that they do Mm -hmm. and they kind of they kind of point you in one direction and then then you then they go back and show you what really happened and you find out that that it wasn't what it was and it's just it's just really cool what they're doing and 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 uh through the next few episodes as we go on here they set up several different team members as having secrets yeah and and having issues that they don't want other people to find out about and uh artemis of course uh with her father uh, being the sports master and her mom being the huntress um, and even though sister. it's not really explained what version of the Huntress this yeah. is, I've never seen a Huntress that looks like that. But uh, I, you know, I get what they're going for, and of course, her sister being a Cheshire and uh, one of their enemies. It's it's stuff that she doesn't want people to find out. So, and Red Arrow, of course, keeps blaming her or Superboy uh, for being the mole, <laughs> and, and and he's unwilling to accept her in the team. And and it's very tense, and it's. It's very deep and, and uh, yeah, speaking of dark, it's a little darker, it's edgier, and uh, I like it. Yeah, they're really blurring the lines between villains and heroes. You know, that, like you said, there's you know connections with the with the heroes. Some heroes come from villain families, and 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 some of the heroes are actually turning into villains, or whether that's by you know by uh, design or you know uh, whether they've been you know manipulated unknowingly to you know as is the case with one of the characters. We won't give away any spoilers at this point in time. But, um, yeah, it's it, they're really blurring the lines between just what is a villain, what is a hero, and, and how easy it is, you know, that heroes can uh, be villains and villains can turn into heroes and, and how, you know, even heroes have secrets and that uh, can be detrimental to uh, fellow uh, team members. So, um, yeah, it was interesting to see Red Arrow return in, in security. And then in the next episode, Performance... Uh, the team went kind of changed a bit of tack. They went undercover at the Haley International Travelling Circus uh, to locate a thief stealing weapons technology across Europe, and uh, it was a, a bit of a backstory for for Robin. 
Yeah, I, I, I enjoyed it because at first I was a little confused and I find that this show does that to me often, which <laughs> in this case it's good because you don't quite know what to expect. So so when I saw the, the uh, previews for it or, or whatever, I assumed we were we were getting a flashback of, of the Flying Graysons mm. and we were going to see what had happened to his family, even though a lot of fans already know. Uh, maybe the new kids who are watching it don't quite know. Yeah. And, and we just see this sullen Robin who talks about uh, how people know his backstory or, or people know his issues and that's why he doesn't want them to come along or whatever. But we don't know it, or maybe we do, but some people don't. And I thought when I saw it, that that's what we were going to see. And then I, I kind of got thrown for a little bit of a curveball uh, to find out that they're um, a team undercover and it's really the Young Justice members that are pretending to be this new team because they're trying to find out exactly what's going on with this weapons theft uh, or uh, item theft. And, and it seems to be happening in different areas where this circus is traveling to. Mm. So that was a, a pretty good episode, and it was pretty, you know, very heartfelt at the end there with uh, you know the the circus ringmaster you know recognizing Robin for who he was, and um, you know, and it was it was just a, a really nice episode wrapped up pretty pretty nicely uh, at the end there, and then we moved on to Usual Suspects, in which the team gets a new member and a new mission, a mission that may finally expose all the team's secrets and all their lies, which is this this is what you were referring to earlier on about Superboy. Artemis and um, and McGann all coming out and revealing that uh, they've had uh, secrets that they've been holding back from the rest of the team. Yeah, it's a build-up that's been going on. And as I said, there have been little nuggets that have been placed since the beginning. Uh, It kind of reminds me of... uh, the one I think it was the first season of Justice League Unlimited when they changed the name, where at the end of the season there were six or eight episodes that led up to uh, uh, Luthor being I- invaded by Brainiac and, and having this whole this this whole conspiracy and Amanda Waller being involved and mm-hmm. and uh, it, it was kind of like a, a continuing episode into another, which which didn't happen all that often on that show. And uh, this show has been doing it since the beginning mm. and kind of just continuing all along. And then now it's really ramping up, I guess, as we get close to the end of the, the season, which I guess is going to have, I don't know, 200 episodes in it or something before <laughs> season one actually ends. But, yeah, I mean, and I I thought this episode was just so good. I don't, you know, I don't know what we're giving away or what people don't know or whatever, but the, but some of those flashbacks and some of those switch arounds and things that I was talking about we get to see those going on, and I think that that's one of the things this show does best. Uh, they, they set you up in one direction, and then they throw you a, a little uh, curveball, and you move into another direction, and you're you're surprised. And uh, you were talking about an emotional impact at the end of the other episode. I found myself at least three times, uh, and I am um, you know I, I'm I'm loath to admit this, welling up a little bit, and and just being you know just just at the drama of it, and, and how cool it unfolded. I just think that the storytelling is so well done and and uh you know man of steel and other dc movies could possibly take a page from this show uh on some of the things on some of the ideas on some of the character depth and things that they do because it's really really great yeah well at the end of uh, usual suspects we got thrown that uh, that curveball that you mentioned in regards to just who the mole was and uh the mole didn't even know he was the mole and uh, I guess it's no surprise that, or it's no, it's not a really a spoiler because everyone's seen these episodes by now. And if you haven't, then you might want to uh, forward on to the next chapter, but uh, of this podcast. But obviously, it was uh, Red Arrow who was the mole, and he was uh, under the influence, I guess, of um, what's his name, Vandal Savage. 
Yeah, yeah, that was a. I mean, it was a surprise, and uh, I, I'm a little. I'm, I'm always a little dubious when when the entirety of the Justice League gets taken down, and and now we see that they're going to have to be saved by these kids whom Batman never calls them kids because mm. that's how they found out it wasn't really Batman in control of his own senses in the next episode. Uh, and, and the thing is, is that obviously that's the way it has to go because now we see at the end of the episode they're all kneeling down to, to Vandal Savage and mm. clearly he's their master now because of the Starro technology and and, uh, and that's what's going on. And that, that has happened in the comics before. Yeah. You know, they're, they're using the Starro technology. It's slightly different. But it does the same kind of thing. It takes over your mind, and and, and you can be controlled, and and it's it's really cool. Um, but, but again, I'm a little uh, a little put off by the idea that the first time we really get to see um, some of these bigger heroes in action, Superman, of course, being our main focus, uh, we get to see him kneeling down to Vandal Savage, who, in my opinion, is just some guy. But uh, uh, I know that he's not. I know he's the, the, he's, this, he's immortal or something. He's yeah, been around forever and ever. Uh, so that's kind of good, I guess. But uh, uh, you know, you got all these superpowered guys uh, and, and 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 ladies who who just kind of got invaded and, and got surprised, and it's really dramatic. And and the way it ends is is really cool, as you say, with Red Arrow uh, kind of waking up and finding out that uh, that he is in <laughs> fact the mole, and uh, he wakes up. I don't. Again, it's one of those things where in the Justice League uh, show from a few years ago. Um, because they didn't quite know how to handle Superman being in the group because I guess they felt like, well, if he's in the battle, then isn't he just going to end it every time? And we kind of want the battle to go on a little bit. So we'll just have the guy backhand him and he'll be out and we won't even see him again. But the Flash, who also gets backhanded by the same guy, is back in the battle right away. But we just never even see Superman again because he's too powerful and we just don't know what to do. Um, it's kind of like, well, we, we we need this moment with Red Arrow and we need to get this moving forward with the Young Justice team being the people that have to figure this all out. So we'll just have him wake up, uh, even though all the other people are, <laughs> including Martian Manhunter, who has kind of a, uh, got a powerful mind of his own. Um, also, um, uh, completely uh, in, in under control of, of, by Vandal Savage and, and uh, unable to wake up. But uh, here we have Red Arrow, uh, yeah, I well, guess, with more I'm, willpower and, and more mind strength than, than any of the other members of the Justice League. Well, did he, well, at the end of uh, Usual Suspects, because I haven't seen Old Acquaintances, Old Acquaintance, which was the next one uh, that uh, has just recently aired, uh, he does wake up from it, but he's, do you think that's because Vandal Savage has walked in and allowed him to wake up? Does Vandal Savage have control over the Star Starro technology to allow Red Arrow to wake up? Because as soon as Vandal Savage walks through that, um, uh, what do you call it, the, the, the doorway to the watchtower, he, uh, Red Arrow is going to shake his head and, and he says, I'm the mole? Uh, yeah, right. Uh, I think, yeah, yeah, I mean, you may have a point there that... Um, uh, was he allowed for to wake up? Is that whatever what reason, asking? somehow Vandal Savage seems to be in control of this Starro technology. It does seem to have some sort of computer effect as well. So mm-hmm. maybe maybe it's linked into a remote somewhere, or, or you know, because I, as far as I remember, I don't think Vandal Savage ever had mind power or, or telepathy, or I don't I don't think you know, unless I'm wrong. But mm-hmm. um, uh, so so it seems like, and you know, Batman's talking about how it has. Um, you know, tiny technology inside it. So it's not exactly this giant starfish no. like it has sometimes been portrayed in, yeah. in old Justice League of America or comics. Like an alien but, covering your face thing too. 
Yeah, yeah. They're kind of putting on their own kind of technological spin on it, yeah. which may still have a connection to alien technology, you know, an alien entity that made it or something along those lines yeah. as we move forward. But uh, yeah, and you may be right, but I still kind of think that that was their way of giving us the drama of that happening because why sure. why would he allow him to wake up? Well, what's the point other than to, to give us a, a jolt and to, to, to have that kind of twist ending, that weird dramatic uh, thing because doesn't he want them all under his thrall? Why would he allow you know, so, wake up, yeah. say, well, yeah, let me just have you wake up so you can tell the audience that you're the mole and, <laughs> and you know, uh, and then what, he puts them back under or I don't know. I, yeah. Uh, but yeah, and it was dramatic and it was cool. So these are little things that uh, I don't really dock points for but as i said if if somebody's going to wake up yeah. you would think that it would be one of the more powerful you know because red arrow is in fact just a guy that is trained with a bow and arrow yeah so, you know uh, but you know so uh, <laughs> old acquaintance was actually the season finale for the first season uh, was it now? yeah happy new year is the next new episode and that is uh from all accounts the first episode of season two uh, which leads into this invasion um, storyline saga. Do you know when that is going to start? It's, it's straight away. The, there's no no gap between the end of season oh. one and end of season two. So uh, Saturday, <laughs> so weird. yeah. Which yeah, it's a bit bizarre because they usually have a bit of a, a, a you know gap between. Well, the they've end had so many breaks season. in this first True. season. Uh, well, I guess they uh, you know. This started back in November 2010, didn't it? Young Justice. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah, long time for the first season to run, but uh, we've been getting a, a good run of new episodes, and it doesn't stop with the beginning of season two, which uh, stra- you know is straight away back into uh, you know straight away on Cartoon Network. Happy New Year airs at ten thirty a.m. on Cartoon Network on April twenty eighth, so no gap whatsoever. I get the impression that they didn't plan it this way; that they fell yeah. behind because. Yeah. When I was first watching it in November of 2010, the dates matched up almost exactly with the day that they aired. Yep. It was, you know, and it was on time and it was right around that time. And, you know, this Happy New Year episode was probably supposed to be on, uh, in, the you know, yeah, right. Or, and, and as a, as a, uh, as the next season went on without those two other breaks, if we were going to go from November of 2010 till maybe, um, May of, uh, 2011 and then come back on in january or something along those lines it wouldn't have seemed as odd but i think that they and it is a very very um quality animation Mm. i mean i've said this before too the amount of detail shadowing coloring that that goes into this this is it probably takes them a very long time to do and it's another thing that i hear people complain about in comic books and things when when they get delayed and i've complained about it myself but but uh, some of these things often do take more time than they expect and i would rather have a quality uh program than than something that looks looks shoddy or that they haven't spent the, the right amount of time on yep definitely all right well that's the young justice so uh look for season two to begin straight away at the end of April and um, we're looking forward to uh, to seeing just where season two takes us and what direction the show will continue on in. Now let's move into comic book discussions. Uh, we seem to always have our uh, podcast fall on the date or the week leading up to Superman, uh, the Superman comic book coming out and we kind of seem to skip over a little bit because of that timing issue. Uh, so Superman number seven came out at the end of uh, May um, and uh, we see in that one, Hellspont wants Superman, 
and um, you know he wants uh, to try to bring him under his uh, into his uh, into the fold and uh, you know use him as a tool. And uh, we also see Clark return to the Daily Planet, and he's kind of ambushed by Perry, Lois, and Jimmy, all wanting something from him, and he seems to get uh, sucked into uh, doing something for each of them without really knowing who he was answering at the time. And at the end of this comic, we see uh, he was supposed to have picked up Lucy Lane from the uh, train station or uh, whatever it might have been. The, I think it was a train station or a plane airport, something like that. And uh, obviously he's uh, too caught up as Superman at uh, an in-Hellspont's uh, headquarters. Yeah, my favorite line in this was, what just happened? This <laughs> Clark kind of gets ambushed by those guys at the Daily Planet, and, and he keeps answering one question, but the other two Think accept it. his answer to what they were saying <laughs> at the same time. And he's, no, 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 I meant I was talking to this person. And he gets all kind of turned around, and uh, it's it's kind of funny. Yeah, um, so uh, Jimmy's uh, now going to be staying at Clark's apartment because his place is being fumigated, and Clark, obviously, that's going to be a bit of an imposition for him. And uh, he agreed to Lois to, Lo- to pick up uh, her sister Lucy and uh, obviously wasn't really uh, contemplating doing that. And uh, amongst everything else, Perry's on, on to him about what stories he's supposed to be filing and what he's <laughs> supposed to be doing. So, yeah, interesting. He probably, I mean, I get the impression that um, not only is he uncomfortable with all the attention as Superman, but uh, he he probably thinks that it's better to leave as much information out as he can because he's trying to deflect any attention to you know let's look at superman more closely yeah. that they could eventually maybe link it up to him and mm-hmm. and uh you know that 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 could be a problem for him uh, i don't know wh- i don't know who came up with this name but hellspont I and mean, that's got to be I don't know what that is. It's got to be the worst name I have ever heard for a villain. I don't. <laughs> he looks kind of cool, but I, and I don't. Has he been around? I've never heard of him. Is he new? I, yeah, uh, but it doesn't he, ring a bell to me. He. Uh, I don't know what that name is. It's. Uh, they were like, hmm. Hellspawn's well, kind of a cool up. name. Let me, let me but, do a quick uh, uh, search. See what we can. I think he might have been. I think I heard something about him being from a different universe that comic of comic books uh, from the Wildstorm comics. That's where he's from. Which uh, they just brought yeah. together here. He's a fictional uh, character, another... a supervillain in Wildstorm's comics. He's off, he often fought the Wildcats, uh, but also fought Team One, Gen 13, and Backlash. That's from Wikipedia. Well, there you go. Uh, I, I think that they're, again, uh, and this is, again, a business move that Crossing annoys over. me sometimes and annoys other people too. But, it, but again, it, what it all boils down to is trying to make more money and trying to bring the Wildstorm fans in. And, and uh, you know, what I mean when I say it annoys me sometimes is that they want you to then buy the, the, the Wildcats book or whatever books are attached, Stormwatch, you know, they, and I see the solicits at the end of these books that I read saying, oh, we'll find out how this individual came into the Superman book by reading this book, that book, and this other book. And mm. you may not be reading those books, and obviously they're going to try to advertise them to you as much as they can, but then you have fans feeling like they're missing out on parts of the story, like me just now. I don't know who Hellspont is, but maybe I find out more if I read these other books yeah. that they're trying to get I'll me to read. Trade. I can, I'm already in a situation where I can barely afford the books I'm already getting, you know, and now they want me to buy them digital as well. So I got to buy them twice and it's just, uh, it's getting a little out of control, but, um, you know, I've never really gone and read all of the crossovers no. unless it was a big giant, uh, like event, like with doomsday or something like that. Yeah. And, uh, and now they're, it seems like they're trying to cross over all these things and, 
Um, it's it's it gets expensive and, and difficult to follow, but we'll see what happens with Hellspawn. I did enjoy the story, and I liked I liked where it went. I did have one question for you, and maybe I missed it somehow, um, or 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 one of the listeners if they know um, what what's the deal with the. Um, you know, he went into the the conference room to change into Superman, and he, you know, pulled up in a shirt like he always does, and and he apparently had the costume on, but then in the next panel, it was like forming itself, but it was already on him in the panel before. Well, I think I'm, I, I don't know if that was maybe just a bad uh, panel uh, uh, drawing or whatever, but it's supposedly the technology of this costume is that. It looks like just a basic Superman T-shirt underneath. So, and then when he touches the symbol or touches the middle of it in his chest, it forms into the full costume and you know uh, covers the you know his whole body the way it's supposed to. And um, and I think there are panels where it obviously got thrown against the wall or something, and the technology and it changed, and he's and the colors of the costume can change while it's happening. That happens in Action Comics number eight. I think uh, where he's fighting Brainiac and um, the costume colors change a little bit when he comes into contact with some other technology or something. But uh, yeah, I think basically it's he it's it's a t-shirt underneath, or it looks like a t-shirt underneath, so that um, he can obviously not have to worry about the collar coming up underneath his Clark Kent uh, shirt, and uh, you know the the longer sleeves not coming down past his Clark Kent shirt. So uh, it uh, it forms once he initiates it and uh, and i thought and the cape uh, i have always mentioned you know people are, are suddenly mentioning well how's he going to hide his collar how's he going to hide his long sleeves yeah how's he you know from the beginning there was no absolutely no reality to the idea that a guy could be wearing boots yeah, underneath under his, his suit a cape underneath his regular clothing it just wouldn't work so this is kind of neat because now it's Kryptonian technology that unfolds when he needs it. It's yeah. not always under his clothes, which never made any sense. I wrote a story uh, based on Lois and Clark one time uh, where I kind of explained that he uh, switched his clothes underneath. so Because a lot of times he'd fly, do something, and then land anywhere and come out from behind the wall with clothes on. <laughs> but And I'd always go, well, he took he his clothes off somewhere else. <laughs> so I kind of had it. Where, you know, and in Lois and Clark, they were doing this cheesy thing where he would spin like one woman and yeah. turn into his suit. So I had him in the story. I had him spin and turn back into his Clark Kent clothing. Right. But it still doesn't really explain how it could be. Yeah, I, I remember in the old comics, they used to say that he would uh, super compress his Clark Kent clothes and put them into a pouch in inside his cape. Um, <laughs> and so it was almost like one of those... Uh, vacuum bags where you can you know suck all the air out of the bag out of all you know the the gap between the clothing and store them uh, away for winter or whatever and uh you know they'd be reduced in size because all the air was sucked out of uh the gaps between the the fibers don't you like how when he unfolds them that there's no wrinkles yes. and they Super look riding. pristine and it's beautiful i love that <laughs> So that was uh, Superman number seven, and then Action Comics number eight uh, was at the beginning of April. And uh, as I mentioned, uh, Superman was up against uh, Brainiac inside his uh, spaceship, or, and uh, was basically saves the bottled city of Metropolis, and at the end uh, gets it back into its natural size and natural position back on Earth. Yeah, I read the uh, synopsis of this story, so I didn't see what was going on with the suit. 
Um, um, I also I don't think I've read seven yet uh, oh. because again the money issues and, and the expense of, of buying all these books. But uh, it sounds cool by the synopsis. It sounds. Uh, need he uses uh, his own ship or something at yep. the end to to kind of pierce through Brainiac and uh, and uh, save the day. Exactly. Yeah, he uses the obviously the the uh, spaceship that he came in has been miniaturized uh, by Brainiac, and uh, he uses that almost as a, a bullet that he flicks uh, to you know uh, into Brainiac to bypass his uh, you know um, technology, so that uh, being, being it's that it's indestructible from Krypton. So. Um, it's a way for him to to get through to you know to infect Brainiac and uh, is able to basically blackmail or you know uh, tell Brainiac you know you you got to make a choice what well, you know th- either this or that and uh, Metropolis is saved and we find out that Lex Luthor has all along been Clark Kent's secret mole that's been giving him stories uh, and, and his source uh, for uh, you know information for his stories for the Daily Planet. And uh, that's an interesting kind of development there. Yeah, I'm, it's it's another one of those curveballs that they try and throw you in some of these situations, and uh, it's I think it's going to be interesting to find out what exactly the ulterior motives are behind that. Yeah, and we also see uh, that the landlady uh, that for Clark Kent's landlady knows his secret identity, and it's almost like uh, she's uh, his kind of. Um, Adopted mother, if you like, uh, you know, being that the Kents are dead in this um, continuity, and he does visit the gravesite of uh, Martha and Jonathan, and and you know, and tells them he's you know he's got everything together, and you know, thanks them for the for the uh, you know the influence that they had on his life, and and um, and that was a very touching moment. But uh, yeah, the landlady kind of seems like she well, she's at the moment the only person who really knows his secret identity and he knows that she knows and it's almost like uh you know a home base for him where he can trust somebody that uh you know uh, he's got his best interest at heart i guess what they wanted to go for there was um kind of a different spin on the uh confidant idea yeah. where uh because I, I can see a lot of fans saying you know why did they find it necessary to kill his parents if they were just going to bring in this landlady who's about the same age uh, acting in the same manner um which which i could definitely understand them saying because uh again that was one of the things that upset people and it bothered me a little i've always liked the idea of having the kents around um yeah, uh, both of them I, you know and they, they they continuously want to kill jonathan off and now they've killed them both and at one other time martha was the one who was dead and uh, just seems like it's a way that they create drama, and in this case, we didn't even get to see them die, so that drama was even lost. They're just not there at all, and they're bringing this landlady in, who is now going to be at least a uh, um, uh, in- important character yeah. for the time being. Uh, and why couldn't that have been his parents um, or somebody that we already know? Or, or and, and I could see again, uh, and would agree, and to some extent, with some people that might feel that that was just a move just for the sake of making a move and i, I don't you know yeah now uh we've we we won't touch on superboy this month because uh we i think we've spent a lot of time on superboy in previous podcasts but supergirl we haven't spoken about too much and in the very latest issue supergirl number eight uh we get to meet silver banshee and uh, it's a very different take on silver banshee well not very different but it is a different take and we actually come to learn about her more from her uh, secret identity or her uh, alter ego than just as a, a villainess. And um, 
I think this is the first Supergirl comic book uh, since the reboot that has actually kind of finally settled into learning a bit more about the character and, and having quieter moments and, um, you know, she finally gets a bit of a supporting cast with um, Siobhan uh, Smythe or Smith, who is the, uh, the alter ego of the Silver Banshee. And we don't really know that who she is, except if you look at the cover, of course, uh, that, uh, you know, she appears later in her, uh, at, towards the very end of the comic, as uh, as the Silver Banshee. And, uh, and there's a bit of an issue there with her father, and uh, who's called the Black Banshee. Yeah, it is an interesting uh, take on it. I like the idea that it, it seems as though she's not really a villain. She's a girl who's trying to get away from whatever this family legacy was, yeah. and she's trying to befriend this this uh, girl and and, and uh, helps her move in and helps her kind of establish a human-looking identity and um, uh, is trying to be a friend to her. And I think it's all authentic. I don't think. Yeah, no, um, there's no. I don't think it was a trap. I don't think it was an ambush or anything like that. Exactly. And, and uh, suddenly we. Uh, we find out at the end that uh, the Black Banshee kind of has control and, and is coming to get her and doesn't like that she left and, and won't allow her to uh, continue uh, down this path. So, again, it's it's some good drama and uh, the look of the, the Banshee, both uh, Banshees uh, and the family Banshee or however you want to <laughs> refer to them, uh, it looks very cool. Uh, I yeah. like, uh, again, as you say, not very different but uh, different enough and it looks very, very neat. Yeah, and uh, it's nice the fact that uh, Kara can actually speak to someone. Siobhan has the uh, capability of understanding and learning a language just by hearing a few words and uh, can even speak to birds, uh, which was interesting. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, so, and, uh, yeah, for, it, it's an interesting spelling of the name. Like, you look at it and it says Sioban, but it's actually mm. pronounced Siobhan. Where did you find that out? Uh, on Wikipedia again. Okay, okay. Uh, I wonder a lot of times with Wikipedia, I have heard in the past that that's just anybody in the world yeah, that can. can go in there, you edit can. that, and do whatever they want. So uh, a lot of times I'm not exactly sure if I'm getting the straight story. I mean I do go I – mean, a lot of people go there for for their research and to find out different things and then I go, well – if anybody could write this, I could just go in and say, Sioban is actually pronounced Kellogg's Crunchy Nut, you know. But <laughs> but it is, uh, it is uh, that name is a uh, like a traditional Irish name, and so it's not just from the comic books, you know. Okay. That the the pronunciation of that what you said, Sioban, is actually Siobhan. And I like Sioban better. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the way it reads, and I'm sure most people who are unaware of the name are probably. Uh, reading it that way when they're looking at the comics but uh it is a, a traditional irish name and it is pronounced siobhan so um and, and it's kind of like when i was young you know mr mixiez's pedalic used to be <laughs> mixelplick yeah. and then you find out that it's not mixelplick and you're like no it's mixelplick well that's, that's like with harry potter always when i was reading the, the books and uh there was uh hermione and i was like hermione was the way i was pronouncing yeah. it yeah yeah <laughs> So, yeah, interesting uh, when they come up with names that uh, uh, phonetically don't read the way they're supposed to sound. So uh, that was Supergirl number eight. And then uh, Justice League number eight, uh, it's, it was an interesting issue because it was kind of like two stories uh, broken up, you know, half-half almost, with the first half being Green Arrow wanting to join the team and then the second half being, you know, more on Billy Batson's, uh, you know, development going into a, a new uh, home and... Um, uh, yeah, a bit of a foreshadowing there about what's going to happen with him and the Shazam character. 
Yeah, I don't know if you can bleep this show out or not, but uh, Billy Batson is a is a is a bit of a peephole. You know what I'm saying? Uh, you you can fix that in post. Yeah, um, we'll talk about nasty and edgy and and dark. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, they definitely went in that in that direction. You know, you got people uh, uh, hoisting wallets and and pickpocketing, and you got name calling and. I mean, just completely, just, yeah, (laughs) (laughs) just a complete disrespect for any, um, adult figure or any bit of authority and, and Billy Batson. I mean, uh, anybody who, who has seen any story with Billy Batson, he was always a wide eyed kind of in awe of heroes and, uh, um, uh, very well mannered and, and just sad because he didn't have anyone. And, and when he, when he inherits the power and then he starts to get, get to hang out with other superheroes he's just beside, beside himself and and so excited and and just 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 honored to to be it and and this guy is just a completely different person definitely yeah jeff johns has really turned this one on its head but uh what do you think of the green arrow thing i thought it was quite a bit there's a bit of uh, comedy there you know with uh, him turning <laughs> up and thinking that you know he's helping out the league and hey look you know i put an arrow in his backside yeah, that's yeah, my yeah. contribution you know so <laughs> <laughs> what I like about it, and 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 people who have listened to me in the past may know what I'm going to say here, um, and I've said it even in this very episode. He's just a guy. Mm. So if you're gonna have just a guy, I guess it has to be Batman. Even though I don't really agree with that either. Um, uh, we don't need Green Arrow in the Justice League. Just like the Avengers movie that's coming out, I keep seeing cool scenes with Scarlett Johansson, but in my mind, I'm like, look. She doesn't fit. This movie's about an alien invasion. There's cars getting thrown across the screen. There's things blowing up. Uh, there's the Hulk jumping around and destroying buildings. And then you have Scarlett Johansson in her fancy-looking cat suit standing in the middle of the team. Same with Hawkeye. Hawkeye's like Green Arrow for the for the Avengers, and he just is <clears throat> unuseful. Now, I, as, as I've said with Superman before, a good writer will find something for them to do. But but it just it, it it just seems like it's a mismatch when you have uh, people that just don't really belong saving the universe from alien invasions. You know, Batman's a detective, you know, who should be going into crime scenes and, and catching mobsters and burglars. Yeah. And they kind of put him on this pedestal with the other superpowered beings. And I think that that's why a lot of people really like him because he just has his wits and his. Uh, and his own body and his and his peak of of, of human uh, performance and and he's able to hold his own. But it, you know when you're when you're more a fan of the super powered beings, it, it's it's almost like a slap in the face every time you turn around. Oh, Batman's cooler. Um, and you got the same thing kind of going on with Green Arrow, where you have uh, Green Lantern and uh, and Aquaman kind of making fun of him. And, and uh, you know they were a little nasty and rude. And I like Green Arrow, but I like him on his own level. I like him. You know, running around the city doing what he does yeah. to clean up uh, his area um, on a on a you know multi universal level, it just doesn't seem to fit. No, I agree with you there. So uh, that was Justice League number eight. Now, the only other comic I wanted to uh, talk about, and I don't know if if you've uh, been uh, getting these ones because of the fact that they're digital, is the Smallville season eleven chapters one and two. Uh, are out at the moment as of uh, this recording. Uh, did you happen to pick those up? I didn't. I, uh, I actually went on today to try and catch up uh, before we uh, did our little show here, and I found out that 
that of all the books that I was behind on, it would have cost me $22 to buy them all and read them all. And I just, just, I just said, I, I can't right yeah. now. I'm, I'm not in a situation where I could. So I did read the synopsis of chapter one. So I have a general idea of what happened there. And I, I'm not, I don't know what went on in two. Yeah, chapter one was a bit light on as far as story was concerned. Uh, there wasn't much there. And I think uh, our reviewer, um, Mark Pritchard, uh, kind of put it in a nutshell when he said, I feel like having read chapter one that I've only gotten up to the like the teaser at the beginning of the show and then up to the first commercial break of an episode. Um, and to be fair, these are only chapters of what will eventually be collected in a printed edition as of may 3rd i think it is uh will be the first printed edition uh which collects the first i think four chapters or something uh together in a printed edition so um yeah there isn't much story although they seem to be a fully um fledged comic book as far as pages and panels a number of pages and panels are concerned chapter two was better uh chapter two had a lot more story and uh was uh was more involved and uh, felt more like a Superman comic. So, uh, yeah, uh, if you've uh, got a iPad or you've got a tablet of some kind, or even if you're into reading comic books on, on your computer screen um, and you can't wait for the printed edition to come out, the collected edition in print, um, you know, I'd highly recommend buying Smallville Season 11 digital comic books. Uh, they are at the top of the top-selling list at the moment. Chapter 1 was the number one selling comic digitally last week. And, oh, the week it came out, and uh, number two was in the top-selling list as well for uh, digital comics. So uh, obviously all the Smallville fans are going out there and, and continuing on uh, where they left off with the show, buying the Season 11 comics. I find that kind of interesting because, uh, you know, I always hear the argument that Smallville was great because it lasted 10 years, so it must have been the best interpretation of the Superman mythos. and. My argument to that is it always had pretty low ratings and it stayed on because it was on the CW. Yeah. But um, what's what's interesting is that if this you know these books are at the top of the charts and they're they're selling out and they're doing really well, uh, it's got to be those fans. And and in a lot of cases, the fans of the television show Smallville weren't reading Superman books to begin with no. and, and aren't necessarily comic book fans. And so I I, I kind of find it interesting that they even know about it. And yeah. that they're that they are buying it, and then it's good, you know, because yeah. you know you you always want to keep the interest going, which is my always my argument when when people say they hope Man of Steel fails and they hope this whole reboot fails and they they hope that the artists die in a horrible <laughs> fire, and, uh, because I just don't quite understand why you would want it to fail miserably when you know that a lot of in a lot of instances. Our whole hope for 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 seeing any more of these types of things going is that what they're doing now succeeds at least on some level. Yeah, and it's interesting because of the poll that we ran last week, uh, the week that uh, the first issue came out, we twenty five percent of people said that they'll be waiting for the collected print release. So uh, if the other seventy five, I mean, if you know, if the sales are actually doing that well already, and then there's still twenty five percent of of poll, people polled who are waiting for the printed edition and not getting the digital editions, then uh, that bodes well for for the for the series as a whole. It does, it does, and it's good. Again, I've made my remarks about Smallville, but I I was a fan in different ways, and uh, I I like to see Superman stories succeed, and yeah. I like to see all kinds of different fans 
coming in and enjoying whatever they enjoy, but just having their part of the Superman mythos. And so the character gets bigger and we kind of get a better shot at having him back uh, on top where he was in the 80s, um, you know. Um, I still, I'm, I'm still waiting for the day, and I hoped Superman Returns would be it, and it wasn't. That I go into Toys R Us, and there's a whole Superman aisle, like mm. there is three Batman aisles Spider-Man. and three Spider-Man aisles. I want to see um, kids wanting to get um, Superman action figures again, and Superman shirts, and and you know, um, it's kind of been a little stale for the last 20 years or so in terms of that and and i'd like to see that turn around yeah it's interesting a recent poll i saw in australia uh was uh about kids asking them who their favorite you know uh, characters were and batman and came number one and superman was second with spider-man third so uh it's obviously superman's still a very popular character Amongst amongst the kids, uh, even here in Australia, so uh, you know a, a big movie will hopefully uh, you know put him above Batman. Yeah, well, that would be nice. That would be nice. Uh, you <laughs> know, I don't, you know, I don't hate Batman. No, but I just want uh, Superman to be number one. <laughs> me, me too. <laughs> and what they got to do, I think, and I'm surprised that that many kids did put him um, that high on the list because there hasn't been really an animated version. I mean, he's there, but they don't really feature him. And it seems almost like the creators of these animated shows even have a disdain for Superman because they kind of relegate him to the background or don't use him well. So it's, it's interesting that that I don't, I'm not really sure where kids are even getting their Superman dose uh, to even say that they like him, but it's good. I'm I'm happy. Now you, uh, you mentioned Mr. Mixius Pitlick, uh, before and uh, he seems to be the practical joker of the Superman universe and uh, we played our own practical jokes on April Fool's Day uh, beginning of April and obviously April 1st and uh, we caught out quite a few people uh, with our three uh, news stories and then there was also the From Crisis to Crisis April Fool's episode that Michael and, and Jeffrey uh, put out uh, the fire story about Man of Steel really had a few people panicking <laughs> if I get you to say your name backwards three times, do you <laughs> stop doing those? Or? Never. <laughs> ah, darn. Um, I, uh, I. Here's the thing. I know that every year uh, you do those April Fool's jokes, and I know that Krypton Site does them. And sometimes I would go just for that reason to to read them and to see them um, on April Fool's Day. It was weird. I was really busy, and I didn't I didn't get home. It was it was actually the day before April Fool's Day. And I got home at like 2 or 3 in the morning and I was just sitting, getting ready to go to bed and I decided to look at my mail. And you had put – and I I'd never noticed years previous you do this. You had put it into a big blue report. <laughs> no, I've never done that before. And it just happened so, to land on the on the day that I would be uh, yeah, sitting when I, Yeah. So when I first read it, I you actually had me going, what? <laughs> And I actually – and I've never – you know, that hasn't happened in years because I know that this happens every year. But then I, I, I think it was the second story. I was like, hmm, wait a minute. And I scrolled up to the top and I saw that the date on it was April 1st. And uh, obviously you mean for it – for people to figure it out by the time they get to the end because it just got more – more Sillier and sillier. Insane and, you know. But I think it might have been at the end of the fire story. I was like, wait a minute. What's today's date? I actually started to think – uh, but it, it was very authentic looking with the picture and the yeah, well, way you the, had it written up. The picture came uh, from the uh, Universal Studios fire that was uh, that happened quite a few years ago, where the uh, the, the back lot, uh, quite a bit of it, burnt down, and there was some uh, archive 
footage that got uh, destroyed and the King Kong exhibit that you know part that's part of the uh, backlot tour got burnt down and so uh, and most most film studios look very similar in the type of buildings that they use so I grabbed that uh, from the uh, Reuters story from. Uh, back then when the Universal Studios fire happened and just passed it off as Warner Brothers Studio. Very good, very yeah, good. Super villain in the making. Indeed. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, hopefully we didn't uh, panic too many people uh, in any serious manner, but uh, it was all in good fun, and, and we got quite a few emails from people who uh, enjoyed it that way. I didn't get any negative uh, remarks from anybody saying, oh, you know, you beep, beep, and beep, you know, you... Yeah, how could you do that to me? But uh, it was all taken My husband just... hung himself because he <laughs> thought the movie was going to be delayed for a year, and God now he's me. dead. Oh, God. Imagine if that How happened. dare you? Yeah. but uh, I'm uh, still waiting to see Zod, the animated series, yeah. i got to say. <laughs> I tried to make that as, as ridiculous as possible, and people are still going, that would be great. I'd love to see that kind of a show. Yeah. I'm getting... Are you serious? <laughs> Any connection to the Superman universe, you can see with the tedious strings that are connected to Smallville, people eat it up. Yeah, well, I guess nothing could be as bizarre as uh, Baby Superman on DC Nation. Oh, my gosh. We didn't even talk about that when we were talking about Young Justice. My, it's so funny because I was watching the episodes today to catch up, and my daughter, my, my, my uh, two-year-old daughter was here. And uh, as soon as the DC Nation little little shorts came on, she stopped. She was watching it. She was laughing, pointing at it, looking at me, laughing because they were acting goofy. The one, the first one was Animal Man, and I thought it was hilarious, and I loved it. I loved it. Yeah. I want to see more of this. I don't know if you've seen it, no. but Animal Man is like sitting on a on a wire with pigeons, and they're. They're they're all sitting like pigeons, and he's acting like a pigeon. He's he's posed like a pigeon, and they're they're going, and he goes because he's spying on a scene. And then Captain Cold goes into a bank and starts robbing people, and he he goes down and he stop right where you are, and 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 oh he points down at the floor, and there's a rat <laughs> standing between Captain Cold's legs, and it's just it was just funny. And then they got the Plastic Man ones yep. that are funny. He was trapped in a television. And he was he kept he kept launching himself like a rubber band, flying through the air and smashing into the screen, and his teeth would fall out. And it was obviously it's absurd, and it's more like Looney Tunes than it is like superheroes. Yeah. But it's it, they're funny. They're funny. Cool. I love it. Cool. I, I, love it. I hope they collect them on some kind of a DVD package or something and uh, make them available uh, for for everyone. So that that sounds really fun. So uh, we'll wait and see uh, for more of those little animated shorts. Uh, Super Best Friends Forever and uh, the DC World's Funnest and, as you mentioned, um, the Baby Superman one. So, uh, yeah, all good fun at DC Nation. (laughs) (laughs) Now, I wanted to mention something before we move on here. Back in the uh, comics, it came to my attention, and I've brought it up in Young Justice, and I'll I'll equate it to Young Justice, too. At the point where everybody is fighting and everyone's almost dead and they, they need reinforcements and Superboy's getting knocked off cliffs and uh, he's falling to his death and where are all the other superheroes where's superman where and i know it's a show about them but same thing with supergirl uh when she's fighting in the middle of new york city all of these alien invaders that are doing all this destruction and pulling up subway cars out of the street where is anyone else? Yeah, I know. Either. Why would she be left completely alone? She still doesn't know how to speak English. She's got Superman as her cousin 
who seemingly is too busy to even care what's going on with her. It just doesn't make – and I know, again, they all have their own books and they're all doing their own thing and they don't want to – you know, you can't have Superman come in and solve everybody's problem every single time. But there's got to be some sort of reason why nobody else is around. Yeah, I, I, you make a I good would point. Say. Yeah, you make a good point. Uh, obviously, there's issues there that they can't, uh, you know, bring in these hero, other heroes all the time because they're doing some stuff in their own books. But uh, let's move on to a uh, bit of a discussion about legal matters. Uh, there have been two real legal matters going on in the Superman world. One that kind of does, takes a back seat to the Superman copyright case uh, is the Smallville uh, lawsuit where the creators of the show. Um, have pretty much successfully claimed that um, Warner Brothers are doing the wrong thing by paying DC Comics for the rights to use Superman when Warner Brothers owns Superman uh, owns DC Comics. Yeah, it's kind of an interesting thing. You know, I've had discussions of this nature with people in the past. You know, not necessarily legally, but you know, when Smallville, the television show, was on. I would tell people, well, they wanted to bring Batman on, but uh, but since the Batman franchise movie franchise is going, the uh, they they can't cross them over. And, and people would say to me, wait a minute, uh, <laughs> isn't it the same company? Why can't they? I mean, they can do whatever they want. That's just an excuse. And uh, you know, the technicalities and the different departments and the different legal people and the different things that are going on in different places don't really cross over. And they really are their own separate entities, even yeah. though they're under the same umbrella. So. Uh, this is kind of an interesting thing along that same line in that, um, you know, yes, uh, Warner Brothers is the parent company. So it's, it's, it is confusing and if you don't really – if you don't really, you know, get into reading these types of things or understand the separations and I don't even claim to understand them exactly but I do know based on them being unable to bring on different heroes and things – and I remember when I was in Australia, I went to uh, the Gold Coast, which is an area where people go to vacation. They have different uh, uh, amusement parks and things. And I went to the Warner Brothers movie park. Yep. Uh, and I went there. Main, we were on another island. And we took a two-hour trip to go there because I saw a brochure that had a big picture of Superman on it. It was an actor playing Superman in a parade. And they had different Superman things there. And I was like, we got to go there because – it's Superman stuff. And we went there and there was no Superman stuff. And uh, they, all they had was the little Daily Planet store yep. where you could, you could get a mock-up newspaper made with your names on it. And, and you could buy Superman items. Yep. But the actor was taken out. Superman was taken out of the parades. I mean I saw The Flash. I saw Wonder Woman and she was black, which was interesting. <laughs> um, and, I, and I saw Batman and other – Green Lantern was there. And, and I asked the people in the store – you know, you guys are running the Daily Planet store. You know anything about Superman? Look at this. Look at this brochure I showed them, and they said, "Yeah, uh, it has something to do with Warner Brothers and the new movie that they are going to be making about wow. Superman." And and I got married in, in in 2001, so that was a good six years almost before Superman Returns even came out. So so even if if, if they were correct, which they might have just been making that up, I don't know. Um, that means that it was somehow lost in the transition between one possible Superman movie mm. and another during that whole time when scripts were being juggled around and ideas were possibly being made and then dropped and different things happened. So I was so disappointed because yeah. Superman was pulled out of the park because another part of the company wouldn't allow them to use that copyrighted character. So weird. again, same kind of weird situation. Even though they're all under the same umbrella, 
somehow the different sections of the company are able to claim ownership during the uh, time periods or whatever and 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 you know you end up losing out in different areas because they can't somehow diversify i don't yeah. not really exactly sure why that's all very convoluted and uh, as i mentioned the other superman the the superman copyright case warner brothers won a small victory there in uh having the judge decide that uh documents from mark toberoff the lawyer for the Siegel family uh, documents that he was stolen from uh, his officers will be used uh, in the case. Um, and again, that's a lot of convoluted stuff going on there. But uh, <laughs> interesting times, and we wait and see what happens there. Uh, before we, I dropped, we... I, I dropped out of school in the third grade. So when <laughs> I opened up, when I opened up this petition and this whole this however long page document it was, and I tried to read it, you know. My eyes kind of blurred over, Lost and out. I began to fall asleep. And I, I think I got some vodka, trying to you know knock myself unconscious, you know, so that I never went back to it again. But if 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 you haven't completed the bar, let me let me suggest that you don't read that yeah, because just leave there it. were so many different like terms. I kind of understood what was going on, but but uh, the 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 general idea was that. Uh, they had to turn over these uh, these. They had to release these files that were that were stolen and that were involved. Even though the, there was an attorney-client privilege argument that these are secret and these are just between me and my client, so we don't have to read them. Uh, and the, the judge said, I guess that they do. Is that? Yeah, I think yeah. And because he'd used those documents to argue in another case, and they would then released um, and sh- and would would be made available. So he kind of. St- um, shot himself in the foot there but uh, anyway we'll wait and see what happens there and before we move into the big question segment there is a petition going on at the moment to get a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame for Superman uh, other characters like Mickey Mouse and that have got their own star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame whether you think it's a, a good thing or whether you think it's a ridiculous idea there is a petition going on to help Superman get a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame so uh, get involved in that yeah, I mean, I think it would be cool. Yeah, why, why not? not? I mean, why not, exactly. All right, well, let's move into the big questions segment of the show. Let's start with the big question. Uh, last month's question was, who is your favorite Superman villain and why? Okay, well, first off, we have one of our regular listeners, Calvin Bowes, who wrote, I bet I'm going to give an answer no one else will give. I recently have been reading the Golden Age stuff, and I really like the ultra-humanite. The reason was the character was the original mad scientist, but I also loved the great twist of when they thought he was dead. Uh, he, he was dead. His brain was put into a woman's body as a deception. Very brave story for the time. I haven't gotten to it yet, but I know the ultra-humanite eventually took on an ape body. So uh, remember all who answered that Lex Luthor is their favourite villain, that the ultra-humanite was first. Interesting. He nice. definitely is an interesting character. Don't we have an ultra humanite story about to begin in uh, in the comics now? Uh, I keep uh, hearing about Superman. that character. So yeah, he might uh, show up again, or it, mm. or him, or her. Well, I'm sure that uh, is it. Steve? No, it's Calvin. Oh, Calvin. Calvin! I'm sure you'll be looking forward to that when they get around to it yeah, in sure. the new DCU. Uh, Chris G wrote. I would have to say my favorite Superman villain would be Big George Latimer. Okay, from the Superman versus Kryptonite radio show. He seems to outsmart Superman every step of the way, including capturing Superman and hiding him from the police, Batman and Robin. For those not familiar with the show, we follow Superman through adventures, including losing his memory and becoming a baseball player. It's exciting. And big George Latimer is just evil. Well, nice. That's uh, two uh, villains that are probably 
from left to field, uh, the Ultra Humani and uh, Big George Latimer. So nice, uh, nice cho- choice there, Chris. Uh, right. Next up, we have David Riley who writes, My favourite Superman villain is Doomsday. He's one of the very few who can go toe-to-toe with Superman in a battle. Nice and, and along concise. the same lines, Jeremy Crawford wrote, My favourite villain is Doomsday because he's the only villain to defeat Superman. Yeah, so a couple of votes for Doomsday there. Very uh, nice. Now, next up, Starlabos, daughter of Calvin, writes, To hey. pick a Superman bad dude, I can't pick who I like. It must be who I hate. That makes sense. Uh, that actually leaves Lex Luthor out. I actually feel sorry for him. I remember the Superboy story when he lost his hair and the Smallville story when it was raining blood because of his destiny that he has no real control over. So the bad guy I pick is Doomsday. Why? Because he killed Superman. You can't get badder than that. I feel sorry for Lex, but I truly hate Doomsday. And there you have it. Very good uh, thoughts there by Stella. Well thought out. Absolutely. Hector also wrote, that it would have to be Doomsday for him because he's the only villain that killed Superman. Doomsday is the only one that knows how to get the job done, but we know Superman comes back and beats him. Yay! <laughs> Yay for Superman. Thanks, Hector. Uh, next up, uh, here is Mikey B's audio response with uh, the somewhat traditional background noise as he travels to work, so let's hear what Mikey had to say. Hey, Steve. Hey, Sky. It's Mikey B. Uh, my favorite Superman villain is General Zod. Back in 1980, I went to see Superman 2 in the theaters, and it's been that way since. I like that it's personal. I like that he's a supervillain, so that they can go toe-to-toe. Punches can be thrown and landed. And I'm thrilled that they're using Zod as the main villain um, for Man of Steel. It'll be interesting to see what kind of take they have on it. I imagine it's still going to be personal, and I'm sure there's going to be some kind of a throwdown. But, uh, yeah, that, that was the big thing for me was that it just always felt like, you know, it just the story tied back to Krypton. And, it, and, it, and for me, that was always more interesting. Okay, guys. Love the show. Take care. Well, thank you, Mikey. Very nice. Uh, Rick Lee James also sent in an audio response, so let's hear what he had to say. Hello, Scotty and Steve. This is Rick Lee James from the Voices in My Head podcast at rickleejames.com. I am writing to give you the answer to the question this week or this month. My favorite Superman villain is Darkseid. Superman, to me, is most interesting when there's a villain who presents a real threat. And to me, Darkseid always does that. The battle between Supergirl, Superman, and Darkseid in the Superman, Batman, Apocalypse DVD was one of the biggest and best battles I've ever seen uh, in a comic or a DVD, either one. Even when I was first introduced to Darkseid in Super Friends cartoons back when I was younger, the threat level always seemed to go up to 11, even on those fairly hokey cartoons back then. And uh, I grew up collecting superpowers action figures by Kenner, and when they put out Darkseid, it just, oh man, it just seemed like such a more threatening villain than Lex Luthor or any of the other villains like Brainiac or the other toys that I had. There was just something about him, and he just seemed to be able to to match Superman's strength and his wit, and uh, a real threat. And I like him so well that I even bought Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen number 134 from November 1970. Uh, That's the issue where Darkseid makes his first appearance. 
Um, he wasn't done well on Smallville, in my opinion, but even there he came off as a very real threat. Um, so Darkseid gets my vote. And uh, by the way, I, as I said before, uh, I have a podcast of my own called Voices in My Head, the official Rick Lee James podcast. And um, you can get that on iTunes or at my website at rickleejames.com. And I mention that because uh, on episode four, the entire episode is actually about Superman. Um, so if you're interested in another uh, conversation about Superman that actually takes on a theological and national view as we discuss uh, Action Comics number 900. You might want to check that out. Uh, thanks to everyone involved in this podcast and in the website, and uh, you guys make such great shows for all of us fanboys. So keep looking up to the sky, and God bless. Nice thoughts there by Ricky Lee, and uh, good uh, to hear somebody else do an audio response. So uh, thank you guys, both Mikey and Rick, for, uh, for your audio responses Last of all, we have uh, David Landon, who writes, My favourite Superman villain is Darkseid because he's one of the few villains who's a match for the Man of Steel, both physically and intellectually. Over the years, he's been used sparingly enough that it still feels like a big deal when he shows up. And although not every story with him in it has been good, remember Chuck Austin's run on action, but the majority have been. So uh, that's his favourite villain there is Darkseid. I also like Darkseid. Yeah. He's very cool. So is that he's your bad? Is bad. He's badass, as they say. So with Darkseid. No, I actually, choice? I actually have a different villain. I, yeah. I, I uh, that was my favorite, and I don't think we're ever going to see him. Well, we could now that we've rebooted. Uh, Kenny Braverman, if okay, anybody yes. remembers him from Smallville. Uh, uh, he became conduit. Yeah. And a lot of a lot of people uh, tell me that 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 they didn't like that story, but it was the death of Clark Kent storyline, and uh, I thought it was really cool, and I thought it had Clark on the ropes a lot of the time, and he had mm. to run with his parents, and they didn't know who this conduit was, and they didn't know what was going on, and it was very tense and dramatic, and uh, I think that conduit worked out really well. Yeah, that was the kind of the time that I started reading comic books. Uh, I obviously read the novel for the uh, Death of Superman story which got me into, interested in looking for comic books. And uh, the Death of Clark Kent story just happened to be the time that I came in with uh, Kenny Braverman and uh, Conduit. So very interesting times. Uh, harkens back to, to my first memories of reading Superman comic books. But mine, as most people know, is Mr. Mixius Pitlick. <laughs> there you go. Well, he's just so much like you. April <laughs> Fool's jokes and everything. Yeah. Another one people should check out is Dominus, and it was another story mm-hmm. that that had people uh, ionized and and annoyed, and because things kept uh, changing, and it was alternate reality type stuff, Kings, and it was Kings dream Superman. states. And, yeah. uh, but I, I enjoyed that storyline uh, as well because again, uh, it was just a way to really mess with Superman, and uh, it, it hurt him in a lot of big ways. Yeah, big time. So uh, what's our new big question for this show, Scotty? Our new question is, what do you think of the official logo for the Man of Steel movie? We talked about it at the beginning of the show, what, what Steve and I thought. Uh, so uh, send in your responses. Yep, get involved with the big question segment of the show by clicking on the big question button found at the Superman homepage and send your entry in. You can do it as an email uh, and we will read out your responses. Or like Mikey and Rick did, you can send in an audio response as an MP3 file and we will play it here on Radio KAL. We love when you send an audio response in because our voices get tired. <laughs> yes. And who wants to hear us anyway? Ah, Nobody. Captain Sawyer makes a new friend. I've had enough of wanting to be left alone. 
part of my problem is I was alone. Or at least I felt I was. And I kept pushing people away, and it didn't really make the situation any better. It's funny how we do that, isn't it? I think the word you're looking for is depressing. Eh, tomato, avocado. Point is, we're not alone, which is what this is all about. What you said before in the group, our stories aren't all that different. Lois is back in the game. It is nice to see you again, Miss Lane. Uh, you too? Your manner of dress is curious. Based on the time of night, the black clothing, and the equipment you are outfitted with, I hypothesize you are here for less than lawful purposes. You don't say. And the battle for Kandor begins. Uh, you must hurry! You're trying. Yes! Difficult. Strategize. Think straight. New developments arise in Superman, The Last Son of Krypton, issue 88, on April 25th, 2012, only at PendantAudio.com. Metallo and Gage are hot on Grundy's trail. Sorry, ma'am. Authorized personnel only? See this badge? I am authorized personnel. And in the ruins of Krypton, things are not going according to plan. Killing those two was supposed to be such a simple task. Now, we'll have to fight them ourselves, you incompetent bucket of bolts. I believe there is another alternative to personally fighting Kal-El and Kara Zor-El. Don't miss Supergirl, Lost Daughter of Krypton, Episode 60, coming April 25th at PendantAudio.com. Put the seatbelts on. You're gonna need it. Okay, super secret soundbite. Well, last month's sound came from the I Love Lucy episode titled Lucy and Superman, which guest starred George Reeves as Superman. Only three people guessed this one correctly. They were Mikey B, Brian Pride, and Mike Apps. Yeah, Matt Apps. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Matt Apps. Well Matt done. Apps, everybody. Matt Apps. Well done to those three people. Uh, for guessing that one. <laughs> now, um, let's see if those people and more can guess where in the Superman world this new super secret soundbite comes from. Wonder? Well, it's no wonder you wonder. You're a pretty wonderful girl. Well, any ideas? Actually, you know uh, I, I think so. I, I believe it comes from the Smallville season eleven episode uh, uh, two. Mm, yeah. No, um, unless you're somebody who's reading it out, but um, it's not where it comes from. But if you think you do know where it comes from, get involved with the Super Secret Soundbite Contest. and Guardian. Your entry it's from in. Guardian, everybody. Each person who guesses it correctly will have their name read out, possibly correctly, by either Scotty or I next week. Or oh, sorry, next yes. month. Indeed. Let's go on to the Superman song. Our song this month is a disco tune, which we all love, titled Superman by the jazz rock fusion band known as Chase. Tracks off their 1977 album titled 
Watch closely now. Here it is, Superman by Chase. the show for another month. You can't tell by the way I use my walk. I'm a superman. No time to talk. Oh. <laughs> nice. Is, it, is the song over? I apologize. You should rec- you should record that. Was that on mic? Uh, is this thing so. on? <laughs> can't you hear the clapping and the cheering going on? Oh, there it is. I, didn't, my, my, I don't think my headphones were working. <laughs> well, that's the show for another month, as I said. Now, remember, if there's a particular topic you'd like Scotty and I to discuss, maybe there's a song that you'd like to request... Or maybe there's a big question you'd like to suggest uh, to read out to the fandom and get their responses. All those suggestions can be sent to Scotty and I using our email addresses. Mine is steve at supermanhomepage.com. Scotty's is scotty at supermanhomepage.com. So all those suggestions can be sent to us. We'll try to use your suggestions in a future podcast. But for now, that's our show. Thank you, Scotty. Thank you, Steve. Remember, everybody, Aluits. You've been listening to Radio KL from supermanhomepage.com.